0: Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Gabby.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 487. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, sweetie, give me uh, the topic.
0: Well, I wanted to talk about two interviews that I listened to last week and how even though they really didn't contradict each other... I kind of listen to it through a, uh, listen to it through a lens that doesn't make sense. Listen to it with a viewpoint of a parent who's listening to it and thinking that they're giving conflicting advice. Mm. And so I wanted to talk about how we have to, as parents live in the paradox of that. Not everything is going to be the same all the time that we have to kind of roll with what's happening in the moment
1: you got a steve winwood it huh sweetie yeah you got to roll with the baby did you like
0: that song no do
1: you remember the video yes it was in black and white yes and they're like in new orleans or something
0: i like steve winwood but that was not a good one
1: i'll be back in the
0: high life again that wasn't my favorite either oh higher the, love bring me your higher i got them all sweetie and then the first album the Ark of the arc of a diver album yeah and that was good. My brother say, liked that one. I was going to say, my parents were into it before I was into it. You
1: know if your parents like it, it can't be that cool.
0: But that's the thing. is like they were into it, and I was kind of like hearing it all the time because it was in the car. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, gosh, I can sing the song in my head from... Da, 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 da. What's the song off of Ark of a Diver? Yeah, but that's not the one.
1: Ark of the Diver?
0: This... I'm gonna have to look it up. What do you want, sweetie? I'm trying to, I'm trying to find it because people will know what I'm talking about. Are you sure about that? I think you... the song is called Ark of a Diver." I know that's what I just said. Oh, okay. I thought I yes, yes. This you is like total this one? My parents. It's got a weird beginning. <laughs>
1: This is total right. mom and dad parent total music. Total
0: John and Judy Cassani. And um, When You See a Chance was on this album, too.
1: Yeah, I don't remember that
0: one. No, you so. do. When you see a chance, take it. When you see a chance, to take it.
1: Yeah, remember? fine romance. That's it. yes. Yeah. All right. Good job. Steve Woolwood. Um A few quick takes. Okay. Um, The first two are going to be quick. The second one I'm going to read, and you're going to get mad at me, but it's Ah, worth it.
0: Are you going to really read it?
1: Yes. Um, Marianne Williamson is a candidate uh, to run for the President of the United States. Um, She's an important person in your life, isn't she, sweetie? Yeah. She's been teaching you since since you were in your early 20s.
0: Yeah. I read her first book when I was like 21, 22.
1: So uh, I just donated to her, and I'm just inviting anybody who wants to see a different candidate
0: at I'll least be part of the conversation. To be part of the conversation. Like, here's the thing about Marianne Williamson. I I am, I, I'm not trying to be negative because I'm open to anything, but I doubt she'll get super far. Yeah. But there's something just about having her in and, the mix. And she
1: needs a certain amount of donors. Yeah. Not, not money, but a certain amount of donors to qualify for the debate mm-hmm. or something like that.
0: And I think that would be interesting because if you've, I've heard her speak a million times, yeah. you know, but if you've ever heard her speak... You know there is. I mean, she's kind of old school. Like sometimes when you hear, hear her speak, she has a very masculine mm. way about her. To mm. be honest, that
1: probably serve her. Yeah.
0: It, well, and it 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 served her because she was one of the first people in this world of spiritual. You know, she kind of busted in as a woman in yeah. this world of men, right? Yeah. Um, A little like Hillary Clinton, you know? Um, But her message is all about... Like, I remember like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, she was trying to develop a Department of Peace.
1: Yeah, instead of a Department of War. Of
0: Defense, right. She's like, can we have a Department of Peace? Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's not about false understand it's not about believing this is going to be it it could be Mm -hmm. i mean hell you know
1: we said the same thing about somebody who's in the white house right now
0: correct um but i think what todd is saying is that it would at least be interesting to have her as part of the debate so
1: even if you just donate a dollar literally a dollar will help because it's not the amount it's the number of uh donations right so anyways that's we rarely try to get too overly political on the show, but I, I want to see her up on stage with the other. Well, candidates. and she's
0: not the only person I love right. in that group of candidates. There's, I love the mayor from St. Ben
1: South Bend. South Bend.
0: I know. Sorry, Indiana. I, South uh, Ben.
1: I saw him with Bill Maher, and he is.
0: He's super smart. Yeah. Super smart. What is that guy's name? Do you remember? Uh, his name's uh, Pete. Buttigieg? Oh, yeah, Buttigieg? It's, a, it's a weird Buttigieg. name. Yeah, he, everybody struggles with it, but yeah. I'm sure we'll have it down in the next month. Um, you know, like there's, there's a lot of candidates that I would love to see them interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to allow that process to, you know, basically I think all of us have fatigue about, you know, stepping up in this arena because I'm exhausted by everything and it's not even 2020. Um, But we still have to remember occasionally to, if there's something we want, we have to show up either through a donation or, you know, supporting or at least reading about people. So we have um, information going into the next year. I'm not overwhelming myself with it because I'm, you know, we need breaks too. Yes.
1: Um, And then the second thing is Milk is our friend. Yeah and April 8th is coming up in six days. Yes. What's going on with
0: so, Milk? So she has this thing, um, it's it's called hashtag I can't keep quiet, you know, that's her song. Mm. So anybody who was at our conference in 2018 heard Milk's story, listened to her sing, she's amazing, we love her and she is a friend of ours. And she's doing this thing where she's having people submit their stories, um, you know, their stories of where they've been challenged um, harassed, gotten through something difficult, um, you know, been uh, gotten into a situation where they were able to work through it, where they found support, whatever their story is. You know, we all have a story, right? We all have stories. Um, and so she's asking people to submit their stories and then to her website, and then after, they, after stories of, are submitted, they're shared on the website, and artists and creative people read them and create artwork to represent the story. Wonderful. Isn't that a beautiful, you know, it, idea? So we will um, put
1: that link in our show notes. Yes. And please support Milk, because she's an amazing human being. I'm watching this video as I'm playing this song, and it is just...
2: I
0: can't keep quiet.
1: She's just a beautiful human being. She is. Inside and out.
0: And you know what? Here's the thing about her that is crazy to me because I forget this when I when we talk to her. She's so young. Yeah. And she's doing so much to, to speak out for yeah. people. And she has a story herself of... Um, being assaulted. Yes. Um, so she has her own experience, which was part of where this song was born. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, her website is milkmusic.com mm-hmm. and Milk is spelled M-I-L-C-K. Yeah. Um, and like Todd said, he'll put this in our notes. You can follow her on Instagram. You can follow her on Facebook. Um, and just check out this I Can't Keep Quiet hashtag um,
1: spread the word.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of what to call it. It's like a movement it's movement. Yeah. Yes. And it's April 8th, April 8th. So that's the last day. Yeah. So right now you can write your story, submit it, then creative people, artists, read your story and create artwork around it. And then she shares that. Mm. So, you know, I would just go take a look, take a look,
1: support the amazing milk, um, this is a tough transition, but I'm going to play a movie clip and then I'm going to talk about it.
2: Okay. Yes? Yeah, I'm registered in this class. What class? This is U.S. history. See the globe right there. Really? <laughs> hey. May I come in? Oh, please. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance oh. bell rings and all my kids are not here.
1: He just couldn't make it, sweetie.
0: He sees the globe right there. <laughs> It's U.S. history. So Kathy and I
1: were driving to Florida for spring break, and we were listening to this uh, podcast that we've been talking about over the last few weeks called The Rewatchables. And Kathy and I might do something different at some point in the next month or two, and we're going to take a movie, and we're going to do our version of The Rewatchables. (laughs) So, And hopefully there'll be some teachable lessons, but also we'll play movie clips and we'll talk about the movie. So I'm just asking our listeners, if there's a movie that you think would be a good fit for what...
0: Yeah, because (laughs) the Rewatchables podcast, they focus on like the producer and how many movies these people have been in or, you know, who was the biggest overactor. We don't necessarily want to talk about that. I would rather talk about how it affected our lives, like how it changed culture, how a quote like still stands out, what a relationship looked like, something that's super outdated, um, something that was ahead of its time, like something that has to do with our show. Like we're not totally launching into a new direction. It's just maybe taking a movie and going a little deeper. Yes. Like, Todd, we drove to Florida for spring break, and I was listening to Rewatchables while I was driving, and Todd was doing something different. And I would listen to their show, and I would get frustrated because they didn't comment on certain things, or they would be like... They would say things. It's a very
1: guy-oriented show.
0: That I'm like, you're totally missing why this person did this. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, they would comment on characters like that would never happen. I'm like, it would absolutely happen. And again, this is just opinion. It's not like I'm right and they're wrong or vice versa. But I was like, Todd, we have to talk about this because I'm feeling like pent up anxiety about not being able to share. So,
1: sweetie, after we do the first one, which will obviously be about planes, trains, and automobiles.
0: <sighs> well, I mean, there is some depth to that movie. You think? Yeah.
1: Um, and then this.
2: No shirt, no shoes, no No. dice.
1: dice. (laughs) Sweetie, Quick trivia. Who is in that scene?
0: Well, that's uh, Sean Penn and Eric Stoltz. And I know the last one, too. Mm -hmm. It's um, Goose. Uh, Anthony um, Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Thank you.
1: Isn't Nick Cage in
0: that? In that scene?
1: I think he is. Really? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Oh
0: my gosh, what a lineup there.
1: Um, and then Judge Reinhold does, obviously the one asking the question.
0: He's pointing to the sign, live yes. it.
1: Um, yes, Nick Cage made his big screen debut with Fast Times. And
0: he wasn't Nick Cage, he was Nick Coppola.
1: Cage was originally supposed to play Brad, but the filmmakers relegated him to a background role after his improvisations during the auditioning process were deemed too weird.
0: That's Nick Cage.
1: The credits list Cage as Nick Cop- Nicholas Coppola. Coppola yeah. he later changed his name professionally to avoid charges of nepotism. big time. He's the nephew of Francis Ford.
0: One of my favorite things, I think yours too. It, we don't ever see it anymore because it's like, but Andy Samberg used to do this great impression of Nick Cage. Um, what did what why would he come on the show? He would come on weekend update. And he would talk about his movies. Because, <laughs> you know, Nick Cage went through a phase where his movies were just really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one episode where Nick Cage came on with him.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm actually looking at it right now. Oh, my now. God. But it's five minutes long. Maybe just go to the middle of it. All right. Let's see what-
2: But fortunately, today... Science has prevailed and I'm proud to announce that my cloning experiment has finally come to fruition.
1: So that's Andy playing Nick and Nick is sitting right next to Andy.
2: I'm sorry, cloning experiment? Uh, Well, that's exactly right, Seth, I am his clone. Oh, well that does make sense because you two are identical in every way. Not in every way, Seth. Well, while physically we are exactly the same, there are some slight differences personality-wise. Yes, for example, this Nick is calm and stealthy like a ninja warrior. Whereas this Nick is an exaggerated, screaming, psychopath (laughs) who really just doesn't exist.
1: Oh, that's so good. Don't you love it when people laugh at themselves?
0: Yes. Well, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow just came on Saturday she Night did. Live a couple of weeks ago because uh, Heidi Gardner does an impression of somebody who works for Goop. Mm. And she goes on Weekend Update. And so and the person who works for Goop is really afraid that Gwyneth is going to get mad at her. So Gwyneth came on. And it was funny. I mean, you know what? It's there. are what other direction is there to go? Right. Right? Right. Remember when Mark Wahlberg got mad at Andy Sandberg? Yeah, and then he even finally, talked to animals. And
1: finally came around. He
0: finally came around because the other way doesn't take you very far. No. It you got to check your ego.
1: Um, last but not least. So there's these teenage boys who rated their female classmates based on looks at Bethesda Chevy Chase High School. Did you see yes, this? Yes, I did. They ranked and rated the girls, and a group of girls reported this list to the administrator who encouraged the students not to talk about it around school. The next day, the girls learned after an investigation, school officials decided to discipline one male student with in-school detention for one day, which would not show up on his record. Right. What did the girls do? They were unsatisfied with the disciplinary action. And this girl Schmidt, I don't know what her first name is, texted about 15 girls she knew, told them to tell all their friends to show up at the school's main office the next day during lunch to tell them we feel unsafe in this environment. We are tired of this toxicity. About 40 senior girls showed up packing into the assistant principal's office and um, and Schmidt read this statement. We want to know what the school is doing to ensure our safety and security. We should be able to learn in an environment without the constant presence of objectification and misogyny. So that Friday on International Women's Day, almost all the students in the program, almost 80 students, met in a large conference room for what was supposed to be a 45-minute meeting during the fifth period. Instead, the meeting lasted two and a half hours. Several girls delivered personal and impassioned speeches describing not only their presence on the list, but also their previous experiences with sexual abuse, harassment, and objectification, both inside and outside the school. Since that confrontation, sweetie, yes, a co-ed group of senior students, including, boy, including the boy who created the list, has been gathering on almost a weekly basis at lunchtime to discuss how to prevent this sort of incident from happening again. The students are planning a day next month in which pairs of students, one senior girl and one senior boy, will go to the younger students' classes to 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 talk about toxic masculinity. That's pretty amazing. It's
0: a long story. You know, (laughs) I like doing other things. I'm like, all right. Um, You know what? It's a good story. I'm not making light of the story at all. I think that the key to this story is that... they followed up, meaning it's one thing to report mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, where I would also feel, I mean, it's so funny because this on this vacation we considered watching The Social Network with our kids. They they opted for Spotlight instead. Yes, but we part of what I wanted them to see in The Social Network was how Facebook was created. If again, The Social Network is accurate, uh, accurate. You know, again, that's always up for debate. But it was basically started. Because of a page that Mark Zuckerberg and some of his friends put together comparing girls, yep. so it's very similar to mm-hmm. this and um, comparing and contrasting and you know giving them you know a certain value and then it was almost like a you know March Madness thing where they would like rise up through the ranks. Yes, and that is often called from a certain perspective, or you know some men, maybe even some women, say, "Oh, it's harmless. It's not a big deal." But it's, um, it's objectifying, it's painful, it's embarrassing. And sometimes you have to keep speaking up about something and saying you don't understand, I don't feel safe. Like they'll say, Oh, we, we, we took care of it. And but what these girls did is they kept showing up. Yeah, that's that's the, the hard part.
1: The assistant principal did what you know he phoned it in, or she right. phoned it in, and said, "Oh yeah, he's got one day
0: in school." We like, took there, care of it. There's no learning there. Well, there's no culture change. Right. The, the thing, and the thing about culture change that's so hard is it takes time, and it takes different.
1: Takes conversation.
0: And different ways of organizing and different ways of speaking and different ways of listening. Like you can't use, you know, what is that Einstein, you know, quote? Like you can't solve a problem with the same brain that created it. Mm -hmm. Like you have to go about things in a different way. So you're heard in a different way. And that's the thing, is we'll we'll have a situation where we'll go to someone who's in charge, an authority figure, and they'll say, Oh, I took care of it, but they took care of it in a way that Everybody always used to take care of it. It has to be done differently. Well, and the fact
1: that the boy who started the list is now teaming up with the girls to teach younger people in the high school about this, like that it's full circle. Like it 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 that's where the healing, that's where change happens. Learning, not, yes. not not from, you know, making this kid sit in an in-school suspension all day. Like what what's learned there? Right.
0: Well, and he might even sitting in an in-school suspension get some status of being like cool. Right. <laughs> like, you know, we it's again they're just checking it off their list of we did something yeah but he may be perceived as isn't it cool he got away with it yeah. or all he had to do is you know and again, these girls are not like we want this kid kicked out and you know we're angry with him it's can we have a discussion about this yeah. because I don't think they understand like Todd and I um you know when we've done these sex talks or talked to adults parents uh you know teenagers about consent, they don't even know what it means. Con- yeah. They don't even know what consent means. No. And then once you start to explain what it means, obviously there's defensiveness and initial pushback. But then it's like, oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And so how do you change something if you don't even understand what you're doing in the first place?
1: No doubt. You know. Um, speaking of those types of conversations, you and I have a um, sex talk for the 21st century in Downers Grove in a few weeks.
0: Yeah. Does that uh-huh. sound right? We, it is, but maybe we should get the right date.
1: That's probably not a bad idea.
0: Um, I thought it was actually next week, Todd. I thought it was on the 9th.
1: I'm going to pull it up here in a second. If not, the show notes will be on the page.
0: Yeah, the 9th,
1: April 9th. -hmm. So you can uh, register through our website. Go to ZenParentingRadio.com and click on events. It's in Downers Grove. I think it's free. So,
0: yeah, it's it's a sex ed conversation. It's called sex ed for the 21st century just because we're trying to do exactly what we're talking about here is let's not talk about things we were talking about 20 years ago. Let's get up to speed. Let's get up to date with what's really happening so we can talk to our kids about their experiences mm-hmm. and talk to them in a language they can understand and talk to them about things that really matter today yeah. because it's different.
1: Um, and I want to talk about Impact Baseline Test, uh, the link is BaselineTesting.com, uh, they have a new learning hub uh, that you can find uh, that's at BaselineTesting.com learn. Here you can find concussion care resources including the myths, infographic guides and info on concussions and they have Alexa flash briefings, which is pretty cool. Um, Why is this important? Because it's a way to make sure you get the best care possible after a concussion. It helps providers with specific treatments to help you get back where you started. Everybody is vulnerable for concussion. It's about peace of mind. So here's what you need to do. Go to BaselineTesting.com, type in Zen25, and it takes the price of the test from 20 down to 15. Thank you, BaselineTesting.com. Sweetie, who is Gabor Mate?
0: He is...
1: I'll tell you who he is. Okay. he's a Hungarian-born Canadian physician with a background in family practice and a special interest in childhood development and trauma.
0: Yes, so he he was on the Goop podcast. He, uh, you've read about him before. I have mm-hmm. too, but I and he actually is speaking at fourteen forty where we're speaking. Oh wow! Yeah, he he basically he's similar to what Dan Siegel does. Mm-hmm. Again, their approach is different, um, but they focus on brain development, how children thrive, um, how trauma affects the brain and body. Um, he's also similar to the other guy, Kessel. We, we talked about the guy, the connection between the mind-body connection with children. Um, I can't remember. It's hard to keep all of these people in my head. I'll just focus on the guy we're talking about today. Okay. So he in this podcast on Goop, um, he talks a lot about how children are going to develop in the most um, optimal way, okay? And a lot of it can be difficult to hear because a lot of our lives and our society isn't set up in such a way or we haven't set up our lives in such a way to make these things happen. For example, he talks about how, yes, if a child is you know growing in the uterus of a woman who is highly stressed that affects that baby's brain development as a mother as a woman who has you know had children that can be hard to hear yeah because it feels like oh you're blaming me or it's all on me or you know why does this why do we have to focus on just what i'm doing mm-hmm. but he, this is where he kind of he's he's enjoyable to listen to because he's like He goes, it's not all on the woman because part of the village's job is to support her so she doesn't become stressed.
1: Yeah, like the woman is the vessel for this person to be growing and living. Exactly. So my job in our situation is for you to be as
0: stress-free as possible. And to do more Mm -hmm. or go beyond or notice when something is too much or to take a more active role in another way so... I am not, you know, secreting uh, stress hormones all day long to mm. the baby. so that can. Be, but it can be, even listening to it, you know, here I am with a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, an 11-year-old, and I still hear that, and I go, oh, it feels so pressure-filled <laughs> that like that baby's brain development, even though we know this, is all starting while I'm just walking around pregnant, mm. right? And there are some things in life, like my sister and I talk about this a lot, that my dad, got sick. He went into the hospital, had a heart attack, had a stroke when she was six months pregnant with my nephew. The butch. The butch, you know. And, you know, there's different ways to look at this. Like the way that my sister and I kind of talk about it is I feel like he ended up being overwhelmed with a lot of love hormone. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, there was some stress in that. My sister was, like, sleeping on the floor of a A hospital. hospital. Um, But there was also a huge, like, Christine and I stopped work. We quit our jobs, helped take care of my dad, helped take care of my mom, um, became more... Something else happened, too.
1: You were deeply connected we with one another. We were deeply
0: connected. So it, there was, in a way, I kind of feel like there was a...
1: Because if your dad would have been fine, Christine would have been working, doing right. her thing, not right. around her family. Right. right. Who
0: knows? Like, it, it, And it's one of those things that I don't. we don't really know. Right. But the way I try to reflect on it is there was this deep connection within all the stress, right? And so some things we can't control. Like, that's a good example. But... What he talked about is how, you know, you go back, he kind of did the whole anthropology thing. And the time that children were the healthiest was during the time that we had specific roles, the hunter-gatherer kind of time. Mm. So that's like very outdated, right, in in this society. But he's not like we need to go back to that time. He's like we need to start incorporating that understanding into this time, which is... Women, the the fact that we don't have family leave, the fact, or we do have family leave, but the fact that we don't have maternity leave, like I know some of you did, but we don't have to. There's, you know, a company can say you need to come back to work right away. When babies not only are developing their brain in the womb, but when they are born, the only reason they have to be born as early as they do is because we wouldn't be able to give birth to them. Right. If, if they got bigger, their brains and their heads would grow to such a place that we couldn't give birth to them. So they're actually, uh, you know, for those of you who are pregnant or have just had children or if you remember this from the books, they actually call the when they're born for like the next three to six months, maybe even a year, the fourth trimester. Right that that baby still requires connection. You know, they need you as a person and their you know other caregivers to help them develop their brain. well brains.
1: and that's the part where the guys like well I can't nurse the baby so I'm just going to go back to work and right. everything is fine and we've done many shows about that and how actually your job is much different than that so
0: right it's to it's that you can soothe the baby talk to baby care for baby maybe you can't nurse them but your job is also to make sure that the mother is not carrying stress undue stress yeah. And what I mean by that is stress that at this point of that child's development is not helpful for either party. Because again, there's also in milk, there's hormones. Like we are, I like the word vessel because we really are creating the neural pathways and the brain development of this child every moment.
1: So how do we fast forward to when they're out of the mom's body and what like, where are we gonna go with... Uh...
0: So the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because I'll, you know, shifting gears into he, what he says at the end of the podcast after going, and again, this is just one piece of like an hour and a half long podcast, but he's talking about these things that we inherently know. We know that we affect our children in utero. We know that as a village, and again, I'm saying as a village because I am not putting all the pressure on myself and saying, I'm the one who has to be perfect, you know, we need people around us. We need friends. We need our partner to take an active role with us and our children. We need help. Like we're not. We were never meant to do it alone. Right. Ever.
1: Even though our society kind of uh, has created this structure, we we have where where if you're lucky, your mom or your dad, you know your the the mom's mom or dad comes over right when the baby is there and then leaves four days later right and like you're on your own
0: and it's it again this is paradoxical too because sometimes we do want to be alone and we don't want a lot of people around or we don't want a lot of people living in our house but it's about it's not one or the other it's not i either want to be alone or i want people around it's a blend yeah it's sometimes i need to be alone and sometimes i need help and it's not we are not uh super women we're not supposed to do it by ourselves and it's not good even for though the baby. our
1: culture says you're supposed to you're supposed to be really good at this you're not supposed to ask for help right you're supposed to be your you know bring home the bacon and
0: well, and he says, as a therapist, one of the things he says to women is, if you can't do this for yourself, meaning if you're just going to do the martyrdom thing and say, "No, I'm supposed to be perfect. I don't need help," then don't do it for you. Do it for your child because your child needs more than you. Yeah, like your child needs you to get support so you can help the child. So
1: that helps them get off the martyrdom thing. Correct. Like that's a qu- easy way to leverage. Like, forget about you. Forget this about you. This is for you. the benefit of this person that you love that just showed up in this world.
0: And I don't. And and the the. He's talking about brain development and early trauma, but I don't think this changes throughout the, their lifespan. Right. Like I think that our children are always looking to us to take care of ourselves so they can take care of themselves, because if, if they think that we are part of the equation that they need to take care of us, then that stresses their life out even more. Right. And when we show up for them, are we showing up for them in a way that is where we're an empty cup already, we're impatient, we're annoyed at them, or are we seeing and hearing what they're experiencing? Right. So. He talks about this and then he says near the end, Todd, I think has a clip pulled up, that, you know, he goes through all of this history and anthropology and even, you know, the way Native American, uh, you, know, you know, people like understood how to raise children. And, and he basically explains that he and Daniel Siegel and he names a few other people, their whole job is to do research around the idea that be good to your kids and they'll grow up healthy. And he's like, but it's funny to us because don't we already know that? So maybe can you play that clip? Do you have that pulled out? Uh,
2: here we go. Because I, mean, I I travel all over the world and speak about these issues, and there are other people, uh, you know, Dr. Dan Siegel from L.A. and Bessel Van Der from Boston and Bruce Perry, uh, Dr. Bruce Perry from the Houston Child Trauma Academy, and any number of people who talk about childhood development, trauma, brain development, all these issues. And sometimes I laugh because what do we all get paid to do and talk about? And what are we all finding out when we do brain scans and blood tests and heart rate monitoring and, and intense psychological research? Dr. Darcia Narvaez and her research about the, the optimal parenting environment. What are we finding out? We're finding out. That if you treat kids well, they're gonna be okay. And if you don't treat them well, they're not gonna be okay. Right. I mean, this is what we're finding out and having to prove to people.
0: And having to prove this to people. Like, that's, treat kids well, they'll be all right. Don't treat them well, like, it, have them experience all sorts of trauma, maybe at the hands of you, mm-hmm. and their brain will not be optimal. And they keep, and he's, all these people he spoke about, Bruce Perry and Dr. Siegel and him, you know. This is what they do for a living is they have to do all this research to prove this to people. But don't we know this?
1: I know. That's why I like doing the show because we don't, I mean, we have research to back up the claims that we've been talking about on the podcast for the last eight years. But we can just say it and know it intuitively. Right. And I would hate to be a scientist. Like think about it. these men and women have dedicated their lives to proving something that we all kind of know.
0: I know. and and that's why he says, I kind of laugh. He travels around the country doing this. And again, he loves his work and he knows it's needed. Like he's not flippant about it. But when you really break it down, like one of the things he says right after that, he said, you know, he goes, you know what? a study that was just done. He said there was just a study done that says that grandmothers are good. For
1: for Inf- children. Influences on yeah, the children. Yeah, they're
0: good influences. He's like, did we have to do a research study to demonstrate that having a grandparent, an elder in your life is good? Now, again, I know because I work with women, there there will be a lot of people come back and say, but I don't get along with my mom or my mom is toxic. Uh, there's always exceptions. exceptions. It's not about now you have to get along with your toxic mom because this research said this.
1: I think we hear things and we want to make everything black and white.
0: And we want to make it fit our narrative. Yes. Anything people hear, they absorb it. Yeah, they absorb it into their system. And if it doesn't fit their life narrative, then they say that research can't be true. Mm -hmm.
1: Because my mom is a toxic human being. Well, if that's the case, then yes, this is one of the exceptions. Correct.
0: So, right. If your mother is going to cause trauma to your child, he's saying to you, trauma in those early years is not good. Mm -hmm. So then maybe. Ditch the grandma research for the brain development research. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like what I'm saying is this is kind of the the thing I wanted to compare and contrast because I listened to this podcast. I listened to it a few times actually. And then I listened to Fresh Air. um, Terry Gross had on a woman named Lori Gottlieb who just wrote a book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Mm -hmm. And she's a therapist. She's written a few books and she's also a therapist. And she is a therapist who had a breakup with a boyfriend, and she had a young son, and she went into therapy. So her this book is about her experience as a therapist in therapy. It you know it's a good interview. Um, and actually, I just saw on Facebook about an hour ago that our friend uh, Dr. Alexandra Solomon, who was at the um, conference this year, she's interviewing Lori Godley uh, next week for Fan mm. Family Action Network in the on the North Shore. So you know she's so this interview was good. But there was this point in the interview, and I'm sorry, we don't have it pulled up for you, but you can listen to it on your own, where she talks about how, as a therapist, she realized, similar to Julie Lithcott-Hames, who wrote How to Raise an Adult, that a lot of college-age kids that were coming to her had never experienced or had never worked through their own problems, and therefore were showing up as stunted adults. And she made kind of a comment like... She's like, you know, as parents, we want to be like best friends with our kids, um, but really kids are supposed to like push back on us. And I think she even said they're supposed to get mad at us or not like us. I can't remember Mm -hmm. her exact language, but she's like, kids aren't supposed to get along with us, you know, as parents. And I kind of cringed a little bit because I know what she's saying. Like, what she's saying is that you can set boundaries on your kid. You can say no. You can um, have rules in your house. You can, um, it, you're not, you're not supposed to be the person who like, as now it's called snowplow parenting. Have you seen that? I just We've heard gone about that. Helicopter one. to lawnmower to now snowplow. I think that's come from the admission scandal thing, you know, uh. where we plow everything over that's not good to like have your child to to basically build a life for them where they have nothing they have to work toward but i don't what gets confusing i think for parents and even for me as i'm listening to all of these different experts is it's all semantics because i do i do think we can set boundaries and have rules with our kids without them hating us right And she, I don't even know if she was that extreme, but I kept thinking about other people listening to her podcast and they would somehow validate that their children hate them. And they would say, well, I'm not supposed to get along with my teenager or my pre-adolescent, you know, I don't need to figure out my communication with them because they should dislike me. And it, there's this place in between the first interview yep. with uh Kabor Mate, is that right? Yeah. And Lori Gottlieb, where you have to find this paradox of yes, you have to say no to your children, and you also need to let them experience their own pain. And not take it away, but but help them through it. And
1: stay connected to and them And stay through connected
0: it. through it. And again, this is something super important. Like my job in my child's life is not to eliminate their pain. It's to be there and support them through their pain.
1: And certainly not to create their pain.
0: Correct, beautiful. To not create more pain for them that they have to get through, not to traumatize them.
1: We had a really good conversation with our now 16 year old and it was about teenage stuff, like drinking and drugs and, you know, relationships and all that and... I don't know. I felt like it... it, First of all, I'm still kind of shocked that we're having these open conversations with our kids because my experience is when I was a little kid, everything was hidden. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can uh, relate to that.
0: Yeah. Our generation, we were just... I was
1: not going to say anything to my parents about the temptation of drugs and alcohol and girls and sex and everything else. And the only thing I said to my daughter, you know, you did, she did most of the talking. We did most listening. You did a little bit of talking. I did even less, but I'm like, just listen, whatever happens, whatever you're going through, we've got your back. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's really all I said. And I felt very good about that. Like, I'm not going to, I didn't teach. I didn't preach. I did. I just wanted to, be open to let her talk about this stuff and you know to your point our generation at least for
0: me and you it sounds like we're hiding everything right and and we felt that we had to and it got so normalized in our generation right um you know it got so normalized that even once i was an adult There was like difficulty in sharing certain things or like having a beer in front of my parents, even when I was legal. Like Mm. it was weird. It was like we had created two separate worlds, two separate people. We had split ourselves. And I'm sure there's people listening who are like, it wasn't like that in my home. I was open with my parents. But typically, because Todd and I work with people of our generation, we grew up in such a way that lying and hiding hiding was normalized. And with our kids... There are some people who have gone too far, snowplow, lawnmower, helicopter, who are trying to be overly involved in their kids' lives, where they're trying to eliminate any kind of um, threat whatsoever and also to give them everything they want. Disney World every weekend, which is not good for them either. And then there's this place in between that is – that it's not a perfect place because it kind of ebbs and flows, right? Sometimes it comes from crisis. Sometimes it just comes from – You know, having the time to have a good conversation like, you know, Todd was just saying that in this conversation with our daughter, he was saying, you know, we got your back, which is important. But I also get an opportunity in those conversations when she and I go deep to talk to her about things like brain development, to talk to her about things that she may not understand yet about her own body. Her peers may be telling her one thing, which I know they are. And then I'm telling her I understand why they're saying that. And, dude, I was you. Yeah. Like I and I was you younger. Meaning I think some of the things that she's going through now, I went through a lot younger. And, you know, I could – again, I don't know her whole world. Like, I, you know, she has her own life and she shares with us, um, you know, what is – what she wants to. But I really do think that things started earlier for you and I. I think so too. And – when she shares these things, I tell her, I get it. I understand the pressure. I understand the desire. See, the desire is important too. Like I understand wanting to try things and I understand wanting to go to certain things. And I understand, you know, all the feelings that you have at that age. There's nothing wrong with that. That is not a default. That is not a, um, what's the word I'm looking for. That's not something negative about them. That's something normal as a human being. So I'm telling her all those things you're feeling normal, normal, normal. Now, you have choices yeah. and why and when are you going to make those well, choices? Well, you
1: know what the variables are? I think in my childhood, you know, my parents were doing the best they could with what they had, but they were struggling through their own stuff and they were not taking care of themselves. Correct. So it's really hard to take care of a kid if you're not taking care of yourself. Right. This is the airplane put on your own mask first stuff that totally. we've been talking about for eight years. But that's the truth. Right.
0: You know? Absolutely. And, and just even creating that time to have that conversation. And again, it's not something like, hey, today at five o'clock, we're going to sit down and have a conversation. No, that was unplanned. It happens naturally. But here's something that I will say that I'm already experiencing. So we were in spring break last week. I slept really well. Everything kind of flowed into each other. You know, you kind of wake up, you do your thing. You know, we went places, we'd eat, you know, we'd talk. I did a little work, you did a little work. And there was just kind of a nice conversation smooth rhythm you know we've been back for like two days and i'm already like not sleeping the same like our lives are so intense and i understand i talk to a lot of people who say this is just the way it's got to be there's no way i can change this my philosophy is like I already woke up this morning thinking, what can I change? Because I don't like this feeling. I don't like feeling like I have no time to go see my mom. Mm. I don't like the feeling of thinking my child's not going to be home till nine and by then I'm gonna be exhausted and go to bed. like what things can I change? I think we put ourselves in a box and say, this is the way it just is. Mm. Now, the whole family has to be on board with that. yeah like if I decide to change something and you're like no, everything needs to remain the same, then that can be difficult. Sure. So these are negotiations, these are conversations. But I think time for discussion, time to relax before bed, time to do the things you really want to do is what life is. And then on the other side of that is of course you have to work and you have to get, you know, get to places on time and go to school. Like that I can't get rid of that. But how can I create a life around that?
1: It's continuous rebalancing.
0: Continuous, like we, I, sometimes I really, like I look at my meditation area because I put up a lot of like post-its of things I'm experiencing that day and I'm like, this is so repetitious. Like, you know, something that I was dealing with two years ago is come back and it's like, I've always, um, I've forgotten that I already worked through this and I'm putting that in quotes because everything is repetitious. But for those of you who are like, this shouldn't be happening because I already dealt with this, Correct. So it you, is happening. Do you
1: know what the theme of today's show should be called?
0: What? The space between
2: yeah. the tears we cry
1: and when we're talking about the space between, you have two different parenting experts, Dr. Mate and then the other lady. Dr. Gottlieb, yeah. Are giving you somewhat paradoxical advice. Yeah. We probably have given paradoxical I know advice. we have.
0: I know we have.
1: Um, and the answer is the space between. It's the light... The, our world is not black or white. It's always gray. That's just the what, what I believe. And at the end of the day, forget everything you learned and trust your gut. And if and when you screw up, which you will then you learn from that.
0: And like you you recalibrate and you keep going back to what's most vital because that's one thing is you will have a moment in time when there's 10 things that are, are important you know, not disappointing people, showing up as a professional, loving somebody, um, not, you know, not self-harming, like all these things will like pile up in a moment as all being important. And you have to know what's the most important in that moment. Like you, Todd and I, I was just telling him that one of the, the, things that I do in my college classes because we're using Daring to Lead, Brene Brown's most recent book in my class this semester. And one of the activities we do is you have to narrow down what your two words are. Mm. Like she has all these words and you have to figure out what are the two words that describe your life? Yeah. And what do you always go back to? Yeah. And, and my two words now, and again, this can change too, but my two words now are connection and well-being, connection and well-being. And if somebody asking me to come teach or travel somewhere or can we do this or can you show up here, if it's not feeling connective or not good for my well-being or the people around me, then I say no. Even if someone's like, but this is your opportunity, this is how you'll meet everybody. This I don't. I, I don't wanna say I don't care, but that's fifth on the list to the connection and the well-being.
1: Yeah. Well, and the two words grounds you. Like that's why companies have mission statements. Right. When they get lost, like what are we doing here? You go back to their mission statement. If exactly. you spend some time doing that, then it will guide you. Same way with these two words. It's a wonderful exercise. Yeah. Like come up, come up with it. So um, as we close the show, Zen Talk, we had one last week. Uh-huh. Um, there's a mom getting gray hair and the daughter was embarrassed. Yes. Uh, that was the one thing we talked about. And then there's a seven-year-old daughter who's melting down and mom needs to find the balance, or as I like to call it, the space between uh-huh. allowing for expression of emotions and getting verbally abused. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was a mom who is struggling letting go, letting go of some past trauma. And then Dawn is finally looking for a micro community of kids that are differently wired. Mm-hmm. So those are just a few of the things we talked about in the last Zen Talk. It's 25 bucks a month. It's the engine that kind of... Of makes Zen Parenting roll uh, two live Zen talks a month. We have fifty-three archived Zen talks, a fa- Facebook page, and discounts and everything. And you get some behind-the-scenes bonus content.
0: And if you feel like you get something from this show. Team Zen is where Todd and I can put more of our time and effort meaning you know a lot of people email us and say talk about this on the show or do this uh, that's again connection and well-being it, we can't do those things like yep. you know sometimes there is a sense of there's so many things that we need to do but on Team Zen we can pay attention to these details mm-hmm. we can focus on answering questions and and helping build community for people A few
1: of our new teams, Team Zen members Amy Smith, Gretchen Tidwell, Melissa Stoman Heather Monroe, Mark Cousin Aaron Barlage, Anita Fudaluski. Sorry if I screwed up your name. So those are a few of our some most recent. Some of them have recent... been around a little bit. I know. I, went, I don't. I don't know. The last time I thanked our new members.
0: Well, thank so. you. I know some of you have been with us for a few months.
1: Yes. But, well, just an extra thanks. That's right. Hey, uh, real quick, I want to um, talk to the guys out there, um, guys. Uh, I have a coaching practice, one-on-one. First session's free. Could be in person, on the phone, or uh, FaceTime. Uh, We talk about relationships, work-life balance, things like that. So check out uh, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. So that's uh, about it, sweetie. You're going to need to go to yoga and I need to produce this show. So um, let me do our closing amazing music.
0: Well, and as again, as we close, I highly recommend these two podcasts that we're talking about um, on Goop um, about childhood trauma, uh, with Gabor Mate and also fresh air with Terry gross, uh, Lori Gottlieb. And like I said, she's going to be here in Chicago at least, uh, next week. So listen to them on your own and see how you feel about them. That's right. Uh, keep track see you guys next week. Adios. Thanks for listening. Everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us.
1: Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us questions. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Private Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything we offer. Our tagline is zero pressure, 100% support.
0: Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to ZenParentingRadio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. And
1: what about my books, sweetie? Just my books. I oh. want to tell you about an exciting weekend workshop we have coming up on October 25th through the 27th at the majestic 1440 Multiversity, nestled in the California Redwoods near Santa Cruz. For more details, send me an email at todd@zenparentingradio.com. at If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but Kathy and I get a small commission from Amazon.
0: And don't forget to put next year's ZPR conference on your calendar. It's February 28th and 29th, 2020. Leap into the new year with us. That's
1: right, leap, sweetie. Uh, And guys, don't forget, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. Uh, So we talk about work-life balance, deepening relationships with loved ones. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You get to choose. First sessions free, for more information, go to toddadamscoaching.com. And don't forget about the Tribe Men's Group. We're finally reaching out beyond Chicago and are going to have some opportunities virtually. So head on over to tribemensgroup.org. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And I'd like to give special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. Painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. He's a bald headed beauty and he can be found on the internet at avidco.net. And lastly, just thanks to all you listeners for listening and keeping us going after all these years. Cannot say thank you enough and uh, keep trucking. Adios.